0: Hey guys, Montel here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Look, America's 52 year war on drugs has been a miserable failure and has cost the American public more than $12 trillion. And even worse, casualties of all this mass incarceration of primarily black and brown people is due to nonviolent cannabis offenses, results in a lifelong criminal conviction that impacts them far beyond their prison sentences. A 2020 report from the ACLU revealed that although overall arrest rates for cannabis offenses have gone down in states where it has become legalized, there's still a pattern of those states that dis- demonstrates that racial disparities still persists. and in some cases it's even gotten worse. And although some states are working to grant cannabis prisoners can- clemency, there's still much, much, much more work to be done. An estimated 40,000 people across the United States are still incarcerated for cannabis offenses. And today, more states will have cannabis legislation on the ballot. But the question is now not about legalization, but what can states do when legalizing cannabis to address the harms that's been aimed at minority communities for decades? Michael Thompson, who we spoke about and had on this show ourselves, served 26 years of a 40- to 60-year sentence for selling pa- three pounds of cannabis. And his story has been chronicled in a documentary called The Sensing of Michael, or The Sentence of Michael Thompson. Here to talk about the documentary and what we can do to take action is the film's director, Haley Elizabeth Anderson, and Mary Bailey, managing director of The Last Prisoner Project. Thank you both for being a part of Let's Be Bunt today.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us.
0: No, for sure. Absolutely. Haley, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you made this documentary?
1: Yes. So I co-directed the film with um, Kyle and um, Kyle had a relationship with someone at the last prisoner project. And from there, he made a relationship with, uh, he got really close to Michael and, and he emailed me, he was looking for a collaborator. And because um, I really believed in Michael and his story, I really wanted to be a part of it and see Michael get out because at the time, he wasn't out yet and he hadn't had his clemency hearing and um but for a year he had been sending kyle kind of tapes of things that he had recorded of himself saying diary entries and they had been talking for a long time and so when i came on board i got to listen to all these calls and got to really feel the impact that his sentence had on him and, and his family um
0: I was I felt so blessed to literally interview him on the show and try yes. to get the story out so people could hear and try my best to do whatever I could do to help quicken the pace by which Governor Whitner finally did grant him clemency. But walk him through, walk us yes. all through the case a little bit so people understand.
1: Say that one more time. I'm sorry.
0: I said, could you walk us all through Michael's story? Yeah. Oversize yes. it. We'll walk us through it so everybody. Knows. Yes.
1: So basically, Michael um, sold. Cannabis to an undercover an undercover informant in Michigan, um, and he was charged um, for for having guns in his house. They got him. the The reason why the charge was so long is because they got him on a. He had some old, very old guns in his um,
0: kind of collector's item guns. that had nothing to yeah, do with had cannabis. nothing to the do with. Uh, from a family, right? I think Mary's all right.
2: Yeah, as a family heirlooms. Yeah.
0: Fairly heirloom. So, and and uh, he had already had one conviction. Is that right or no?
1: He he did, but he was yeah. definitely a non-violent offender. He had an amazing like track record. He was a Navy veteran. But the fact that he had a gun in but his
0: the present, fact that
1: he had a gun inside of his house that he wasn't using in a closet. Um, that's how they got him to use. And them. it was
0: an heirloom, and that's how they stacked the case up. Right? They stacked the exactly. They stacked the sale and the gun.
1: Yes. And he only had three pounds of cannabis, um, which is, I mean, I think this that's the case with a lot of, of cannabis offenders there. You know, it's a very small amount of cannabis. Um, in Michael's case, they used the guns against him and it stole his life. They stole his life, basically.
0: You go 30 um, to 40 years, 30 of 40 to 60 years?
1: About 26 years in prison. And while he was in prison, I believe like, you know, the thing that we want to kind of bring out and when is that he missed a lot of life. You know, his mother, his father, his only son passed away. His daughter at the time was homeless. He was very, um, he was unable to kind of keep up to date with what was going on with his family. And and it wasn't until Kyle was involved, and I'm sure he shared this with you, that he learned these things about, you know, what his daughter was going through. And um, he talks about how, you know, dark that period was for him. So it it just felt like, um, I mean, he was really stuck and he was kept in the dark. So, um, sorry, I'm sorry. I want to. No,
0: no, you can. By chronicling his story, your intent was to do what?
1: Our intent was to bring a face, put a face to the statistics. Um, we can talk about statistics all day. Um, we've kind of memorized them, you know, back and forth talking about this film, but. Um, I think as filmmakers, we really wanted to bring humanity to the stories, uh, humanity to the statistics.
0: You know, um, and, let, me, let me just say, you know, I am 100 uh, percent behind making sure that all the stories of those who've been incarcerated for, you know, non-criminal cannabis offenses or, as, uh, or non-violent cannabis offenses, uh, stories are told. But let me ask you a question. and. and understand where I'm going. This is not an aspersion. I'm not questioning your judgment. I'm just saying to you, why not, especially right now, America doesn't seem to give a damn about whether or not 70% of the people that have been arrested since cannabis was made illegal are African-American or brown. They could care less. As a matter of fact, a lot of America still would prefer to allow the laws to stay in place so they can continue to enslave black and brown people. This was just nothing more than another. The entire reason why cannabis was made illegal was to ensure that they had another tool to enslave black people. So why not? And Michael's case caught a lot of attention. They caught mine, they caught a lot of people's attention. A lot of people were sending letters to you know, the attorney general, to the governor, trying to get her to move. But it seems like to me, until a story is told about a 20 year old white kid, nobody's going to give a damn. Right. Or a 60 year old white man, nobody's going to care that he was wrongly sentenced. So, did you have any options for anybody that was not a person of color? And I mean, the, truly, it had to be about a person of color because that's really what we're trying to tell the story about. Right. Right. But did you think about that at all?
1: Um, there were a lot of. Other points that we there there we we discussed a lot of ideas. Um, there were a lot of layers to the story. Even if the story was about Michael, we had discussed about filming a sequence about you know how maybe there's white teenagers kind of you know smoking pot and getting away with it. There's a lot of layers in Flint because it's been um, we know Flint, Michigan because of the water crisis, and um, we wanted we we had a lot of questions about exploiting sort of that storyline and talking to other people. But I think when it came down to it the statistics and the story kind of can, you can reach people if it's like accessible just through the human and emotional points. Um, I saw it as a father daughter story. Um, We're talking to, when we talk to his daughter, we see that she really didn't have a father and she missed out on those moments. And we talked about moments that we wanted to shine a light on moments and and experiences that anybody could access. Um, Because this, I mean, we could have gone anywhere. Um, I remember we spent, few weeks talking about um, doing our own kind of experiment and and seeing what would happen to us or to a person who was not of color or one of color and it was just, it was leading us away from the human and emotional core of the story which is Michael and his daughter and his family Um, and that's sort of what I wanted to focus on and and I think the visual layers sort of speak to um, everything else that we were trying to kind of address which is you know, there's the cannabis business is, is booming in Flint and in other places like Flint. Flint has a, a history of its own. Um, and then Michael's story with his daughter and the cycles of family and, and how his family and the community has gathered around him. So um, I think that just because there were all those threads kind of swirling around his story, um, I, it didn't necessarily hit that emotional core that I think we needed in order to tell this story and to address this issue.
0: And Mary, I mean, you know, The Last Prison Project is the reason why Michael is out. I mean, there's no, I, I, at the end of the day, that's it. So explain to how The Last Prison Project and the organization works on cases like Michael's. Yes. Yeah, so really, Michael, we ask that, but I know you've been in touch with them, either one of you, how's Michael doing today?
2: Michael's great. living his best life. Yeah. He is. Well, thanks to Haley and her team, He's been flying from film festival to film festival across the country. He's been calling me from every single one. He he loves to FaceTime, as Haley probably knows very well. <laughs> um, and so he'll he'll call me a couple times a week and just catch me up on what he's doing. So he's he is he's truly living his best life, and he is you know it brings tears to my eyes to know that he is using his platform to advocate for other cannabis prisoners um, and even just. Prisoners outside of cannabis, people who have just been in prison for way too long, um, their sentences do not match the crime, and he is using his platform to advocate for their release. Um, but he's
0: received, received no remuneration whatsoever from the state, right? I mean,
2: because no, they, they feel like
0: they, they were justified and put him in jail, but they just figured out it's time to let him go. Yeah,
2: no, definitely not. And so, I think it's also important for us to lightly touch upon what kind of man he was before he went in prison, because. He was actually a pillar of his community. He was bringing together gang members in order to lower crime in his area, um, young teen gang members. And he actually won an award from the NAACP for his worst work with troubled youth. Um, and he also um, had received the city's or the the keys to the city of Flint um, for all of the work that he was doing in the in the community. So, yes, he did sell. Um, a plant medicine to undercover police officers, um, but receiving a 40 to 60 year sentence, you know, that time does not match the crime whatsoever. And, you know, it, when we go into the collateral consequences of his offense, you know, the documentary shows his daughter Rashonda, but he has several other children, of course, his son who did end up passing away and several other daughters as well, that they really needed their father. Um, and so once he was in prison, he still kept doing that work, and he still helped troubled youth throughout his, you know, quarter of a century incarcerated. Um, even when George Flint, um, excuse me, George Floyd, when he was murdered, he Michael hosted a beautiful ceremony memorial in prison for him, um, which was just incredible and really brought people together. Continued to bring people together. So that's the kind of man he's always been. And now that he's free. He's still doing that. Um, And it's really incredible. He's actually started um, the Michael Thompson Clemency Project, advocating again for the release of other cannabis prisoners in Michigan as well as other prisoners in general. But, you know, when I go into the work that Last Prisoner Project does, Michael Thompson is an excellent example of when we do specific prisoner release campaigns. And I really want to say thank you to you, Montel, because you and your team were instrumental in getting public attention and you use your platform to advocate for him. And it's just amazing. All of the celebrities and in and out of the cannabis space who did that, you know, Chelsea Handler, Snoop Dogg, um, Kim Kardashian, um, Sarah Silverman, Be Real from Cypress Hill. I mean, the list goes on and on. Jim Belushi was very supportive Um, and it's that's part of the way that LPP is able to help as we do have these celebrity ambassadors that we work with. um, And for certain cases like Michael's, we'll reach out to them and we'll make sure that they know if we've had certain developments uh, that they can share from their platform and really calling attention to the case and ways for people to get behind it. So specifically, I mean, I really appreciate Sean King. Sean King showed up Big time. He created a whole website for Michael, um, calling upon people to call and email the governor's office. And through that site, over 200,000 individuals um, went to that page and advocated for the release of Michael. So that's one example. We have done that campaign for other individuals around the country. Um, Some of them, those campaigns have been successful, which is amazing. Another example is Richard DeLisi. He had received a 99 year sentence. It's insane conspiracy to distribute. And he did 32 years of that 99 years. And he's also, again, he's, you know, and he's in his 70s. He's out there living his best life. He has a cannabis brand with True leave. and he's doing what he can to advocate for the release of other prisoners. So I really, you know, commend these individuals for not just living their golden years with their feet up, you know, sitting by the beach, smoking a blunt. Um, They're really using their platform to advocate for other people. And I really respect that.
0: Well, I really respect the work that you guys do at Last Prisoner Project. Make sure you get, get our website real quick. So, it's just for my listeners. Yeah, absolutely. We need funding, so we want to keep fundraising. fundraising. Yeah, I mean,
2: the lifeblood of any organization is funding. So I welcome the audience members to please donate um, or consider donating if you're able. You can find us at uh, lastprisonerproject.org. That's our website. You can learn more about the programs that we have. If you know somebody who's currently incarcerated for cannabis, they may be eligible for our support. So we have a legal program where we match pro bono attorneys with currently incarcerated inmates. Um, The eligibility requirements, they have to have no violent priors. And the overlaying charge, the reason they're in prison right now has to be a cannabis charge. So you can find that intake form on our website. Highly recommend uh, you to follow us on social media, Instagram, Last Prisoner Project. Um, That way you can stay up to date. We share a lot of what's happening in the news, what's happening with legalization, what's happening with clemency and release efforts for cannabis prisoners. Um, and it's a really great way for people to support. And it's more supportive than you even realize. So if, if any of our posts resonate with you, please share them because it creates that ripple effect of awareness throughout your friends and your family and your followers. Um, so that's a really great way. Another
0: yeah, way. I'm so sorry. Keep going. Keep oh, no, going. Please. The other one.
2: On our website, if you go to lastprisonerproject.org, if you go to our Take Action page, it is chock full of all of our currently uh, running campaigns. You can sign petitions, you can download social media graphics that you can share on your platforms, Um, you can write a letter to a prisoner. I cannot tell you how incredibly impactful sending a letter to a prisoner is with the goal of reminding them they have not been forgotten that there's people fighting for their freedom. Um, and it's just a really way of connecting them with the outside world because it's a very lonely place.
0: I mean, Haley, you, uh, to me, I mean, you could end up doing 40,000 of these documentaries or at least go after doing a couple more in the same vein, Yes, not with an individual, but with the, at all. I mean, yeah. when we take a look at what's going on right now, I mean, yeah, the president of the United States, and this is a question for both of you, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Biden, well, no, about a month and a half ago, Biden, you know, uh, uh, jumped to the fore and made the statements that he made about how he wanted to pardon all those that had a federal conviction, there is nobody in jail right now. So thanks a lot. Yeah. That's that really yeah. a real good, real good, good thing. Do do something for nobody. Yeah. And then turn around and say, I'm going to direct my DOJ to review. Review? Uh, really? We're going to yeah. do another review? Yeah. Another review and another review. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, let me let me ask you both what you think about that and his statements. But I'm going to taint it a little bit and say, could you discuss it in the way that you've seen the media deal with cannabis? And what do I mean? I was watching yesterday. Um, I'm not going to give out the network, but I was watching a news reporter on the cable channel and they had pundits sitting around there talking about the fact that we know that this go around is going to be five states that are going to have ballot initiatives surrounding adult use cannabis. So that may bring our number up to now what 26 instead of 25, 26 states that they all pass. We're going to have more than half the country that will have legal adult use cannabis. And we still have it. I'm not sure if it's now going to, maybe Mary, you can help me. Are we getting ready to shift to 39 states the District of Columbia if all five pass, or is it still going to be 38? Stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: Do you want to know how to become a social media influencer, how to grow an online business, how to make money from your laptop and build a profitable online company? Well, I'm going to show you how in my podcast, Living the Red Life.
2: You know, that's a good question for my policy team. I think it would bump up to 39.
0: Yeah, because four of the states already have a medical program going on. So right. I think, I'm pretty sure. So let's say it bumps up to 39 and in Columbia, which means that we have, you know, almost all 50 states, you know, 10 less. And, and then ne- that guarantee the next uh, ballot initiative in 2024, there will be at least another five states on there. I'm asking the question of what do you think about Biden? But what do you think about the general attitude? And I was so disgusted yesterday when I saw this discussion on a cable channel because they it, it, it's all this Cheech and Chong mentality, this laughter from the host. And we're still calling it marijuana when we know it's cannabis. And we're still acting like there's a joke. And you know, the the Republican pundit was just as, as stupid as he could fucking, excuse my mouth, as stupid as he could be in his response. But our two defending more left panelists acted as ignorant as he did, joking about it. And the anchor that was asking the question was <laughs> giggling like they're in a the back school line. I'm like, are we is this really where the discussion is now?
1: Yeah. What do you guys think? <laughs> well Sorry. Well, I mean, as far as you know, Biden's statements, I you know, it, it's always a slow moving process with anything in America, and um at least it puts it into the conversation. But as far as people like Michael and and what we're talking about, um, you know, there's 40,000 other people that are just like Michael, and you know, even in states that where marijuana has been decriminalized or um, legalized, you know, there's still people um, who need clemency. So it's a clemency issue. Um, the president doesn't have the authority to pardon people on a state's level. Um, so really, I mean. Yes, it doesn't do anything, but I, I think, you know, for me, it's about getting the word out to people who are in states like, say, mine, Texas, um, where I'm from, you know, they haven't budged on the issue at all. And I think that there's like- but they have
0: reduced, the, 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 they've kind of reduced the amount of arrests. However, there's still arrests going on every single day.
1: Yeah. And then there's still people- in prison and still that have past marijuana related offenses that affect their lives um so it's really about expunging the record um and clemency there's just different layers and i think in my world even when i heard you know biden's speech it's always you know oh he's doing something about it then we can forget about it but that's why i like last prisoner's project because it really breaks down um the issue and breaks down and digs into the layers where it's not about the president just making this one move it goes a little bit deeper and people like Michael need more help um, because it's about clemency and it will be on the state's level. And we really have to put pressure on the local government and our governors to really pay attention to these issues and to you know, make moves that will actually do some good for the 40,000 other nonviolent um, inmates like Michael.
0: Um, and, and, well, Now, Mary, what do you think? I mean, how do you think his statements impact is going to impact what LPP is doing? But uh, do you really think it's going to have any? I, I, honestly, since first off, if you go back to the day that he actually said it, I'm so sorry. I can't remember. If it was three weeks ago or four. Weeks ago. It was
2: October 6th because it was actually on my birthday.
0: Okay. So it was a full month ago. So I was right. Okay. Um, but are you not disturbed by the fact that there has not been many discussions about this at all until even yesterday or the day before? I mean, I watch the news incessantly. I watch, you know, all the cables. I flip through them. You know, I watch one for 15 minutes because I know they're going to repeat the same crap the next 15 minutes. So I go to the next one for 15 minutes I watch them and I go to the next one for 15 minutes. And I've been very disturbed at the fact that in the last month, cannabis is not the discussion that it should be. In this country, it really isn't. And it's it's really we think it's especially when we look back at, at January 6th, where we're talking about every single day. The majority of people who 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 raided the, the nation's capital went in there with blunts in their hand. So that's one of the only things that the right and the left seem to have in common is that we all smoke. So and and all agree, I think the percentage is well up above the 90% of people in America believe that cannabis should be made legal medically, and then we've finally broken like 68-69 percent. Believe that it should be made legal for adult use. So I'm just blown away that there are five more states that have it on the ballot that nobody's talking about.
2: Yeah, it's true. And I mean, to be totally transparent, my heart goes out to the families and to the individuals who are still in for cannabis because them hearing this news, um, you know, it's heartbreaking. It, it truly is. And it brings up a lot of. Uh, anger and pain for them to know that this announcement was made. I think personally, I was upset by the misconceptions that all the headlines led because right. as soon as it went out, my phone blew up um, of everybody's, this must be the best birthday present you could ever ask for. And unfortunately, no. I, I had to break it to people and be that negative diva of basically saying, unfortunately, zero people are going home. But I, I as trying to be positive about it, of like the conversations happening, Um, Biden is calling upon governors to get involved. So that's where uh, LPP is really moving forward. Of we've already, our policy team has already been sending out letters to, you know, many state governors, um, basically letting them know we want to help you do the right thing. Um, And
0: they they went back. Have they gotten? Have you gotten any returns? Yes.
2: Yes, several have. And we have had meetings with several state governors offices already. And that effort will continue. Um, And so basically we're calling upon them to release every last cannabis prisoner in their state. Um, And that's going to be an ongoing effort. Um, And we make sure we want to make sure that they know we will help you. Um, because it takes a lot of work. It takes reentry effort. It takes work, you know, making sure that they have all the proper clemency petition uh, filled out and ready to go. So we want to support however we can. Um, and that goes into helping their their reentry plan as well.
0: I mean, can you just can you just give me one state's response? You don't have to be specific of who sent it to you, but what did they say?
2: That would be a question for our policy team. Again, I okay. don't, I don't sit on the policy team, but them replying, saying we'd love to speak with your team. Okay. And that's, you know, just an
0: the conversation
2: is always positive. Um, so, you know, there's, I know that there's at least three States that our team has met with in the last two weeks. Um, so that's, and that, that's, that's really positive. And then when it comes down to, you know, um, descheduling or rescheduling the fact that that conversation is even out there is positive. But yeah, I would like to see a timeline. I'd like to see action. um, And I'd like to see even a follow-up legislation of if that changes, how is that going to help people who have already been negatively impacted? Um,
0: I don't, I, you know, I think one of the things that that's so insane about this is that, you know, you have, I don't know if you saw what happened in uh, Nevada, where you know a group sued the Nevada uh, pharmacy board and um, got a ruling for a judge that now in Nevada, the state, the cannabis has to be descheduled from a scheduled one drug. Has to be. Because it is shown and now has shown and honestly that's that's where I think our national effort should be because, you know, we have now shown in thirty-eight states that have medical marijuana programs that it is a viable medical drug. So if it's biomedical, it can't be on the registry as Schedule One because it says it has no medical efficacy and that we've proven that it has. And it's not only been proven, but it's been proven for now well over ten years in some places. So how can the Fed call something that's a medical efficacious plant based medicine non efficacious? It's just just like an oxymoron.
2: It's beyond infuriating. Uh,
0: Absolutely. So, Mary, do you you tend to? uh, You clearly are traveling. I'm sorry, not Mary. Um, Haley, you're clearly traveling around with the film. What's been the reaction?
1: Say that again. What's been the reaction? reaction? Highly positive, um, which is really, really encouraging. Even um, I believe in one of our, you know, our screenings. You know, it was known to be a very conservative community, but we got a standing ovation and the film has received like one of like, I probably, I I heard somebody say in the team that it had the most, or some of the most um, audience awards of any short doc. That right,
0: over it's getting awards, You're getting awards almost every festival. So, that, but right? the
1: fact that it's an audience award means that it's not it's not just like a filmmaking award. It's because it's reaching the people and it's touching people emotionally, and, and that's what we really want to do is bring the emotion and the humanity to these numbers so people can know that it, these are not just numbers. This is not just something that you hear on the news. This is affecting people just like you and me every day there are families who are being torn apart and, and lives being like extremely impacted by this and, will, and changed forever um and another um issue that you we Mary brought up you know all of the the guys that are being released and the people who are being released um uh, they're in their golden years um it really put a, a face um to people who are older who are still serving time for cannabis conviction so um the response has been tremendous and, and seeing Michael being able to speak for himself and to speak for the guys who are still in, who he's trying to get out. um, It's been amazing and very (laughs) rewarding. Lots of work to do.
0: You know, I mean, every single state or not every single state, a lot of states in the cannabis industry or that the cannabis industry is involved in have some sort of equity program, you know, that exists to help that's there supposedly to help incarcerated or formerly incarcerated individuals help them become a part of the cannabis industry and i know that's not the job of lpp but i mean what do you guys think about this because as you look at the industry the industry doesn't seem to be broadening and opening its doors to even women I
2: i feel like social equity is incredibly important um and you know we as an organization because we are focused on social justice We really strive to stay in our lane when it comes to even the conversation of social justice mainly because there are some really truly incredible organizations out there doing the work and leading that charge one is m4mm um, minorities for medical marijuana ross mccarthy their ceo is incredible um, and has really pushing the needle um, on social equity for many years now another organization really also co-leading the charge is MCBA, uh, Minority Cannabis Business Association. And yeah, they've really been pushing forward in so many states across the country, making sure that there are social equity and just making sure that cannabis companies know Hey, we are looking at who's sitting on your board. We are looking at who's in leadership positions, and we want to see minorities represented. We want to see women represented. It's really important um, to have a very diverse company. Um, we feel really strongly, even so, with our own organization, um, and it's just you know you've got to you've got to walk the walk. Um, and so, you know, hopefully, more companies will step up. Um, you know, I, I, for example, weed maps. I know that's really important for, for their team, and they've been doing a really great job having a lot of uh, people, Leafly as well, um, with different uh, really leadership um, with people of color. And I, I really truly respect that.
0: Right. And Haley, how can people see the film now if they wanted to see it? Is there any way they could download it? How can they get to it?
1: Yes, it's on documentary now, mm-hmm. um, and it is also. Just this past Saturday, they showed it on MSNBC Um, for the past two weeks. They've been showing it every Saturday, I believe. But it is online at Documentary now.
0: Okay. And um, if, again, uh, Mary, you want people to get involved, how can they reach out? What what do they have to do?
2: Yes, absolutely. Visit our website uh, to learn more about our programs, uh, the work that we do, um, and also find ways to get involved on our Take Action page. So just go to www.lastprisonerproject.org. You can also find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Last Prisoner Project.
0: Excellent. And Haley, one more for you. I mean, uh, are you working on anything else right now or are you going to do a follow-up to this? What do you think?
1: Yes. Well, I'm I'm also in touch with the uh, Michael Thompson Clemency Project, and they've just asked for tips about um, how do— we keep recording these stories um, so I'm I'm hoping to give them tips um I'm also working on another documentary about a team of double Dutch jumpers in Brownsville Brooklyn and two other narrative projects so very very busy same
0: super congratulations on all of us that's coming your way Mary I thank you so much for letting us at least be a little small part of helping you out especially in Michael's case and in others and um, keep in touch with us and anytime you want to come back either one of you you got a form here okay Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me. Looking forward to working with you more, Montel, and just really appreciate your
0: support. Without a doubt, I'm always there. Okay, for sure. Well, I want to thank you all for being a part of today's Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Make sure you tune into the next Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments.
1: Thanks for listening
0: to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news, and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.